The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. It is November 5th. We are into the holiday season. Halloween is behind us. We are on the downhill slope towards U.S. Thanksgiving when the standings start to look a little bit more like the standings at the end of the year. We've had our first general manager removed from duties. Um, There's speculation about at least one coach already. Uh, And we've got a bunch of other stuff to talk about this morning. Anything jump out at you as uh, something you just can't wait to dive into? Uh, nothing off the top of my head. I mean, this thing about Sharks giving up 10 in back-to-back games is, is, is intriguing, but I'm sure we'll get into that. Okay. Cause I'm not, well, 10 in back-to-back games. I mean, 10 and then 10 again. Correct. Which is impressive. Like in a bad way. Yeah. You, you, you. I mean, I did see that they were minus 43 in gold differential, and I thought, wow, you really have to work hard to be that bad. No, well, mostly you just have to just stand there and let goals go in. Um, and it appears that the Sharks are, <coughs> sharks are pretty good at that. Standing still? And letting goals go in, yeah. And letting goals go in. But they have guys at each position. They have a goaltender. They have two oh. defensemen on the ice. They have three forwards on the ice. Yes. Technically speaking, yes. But let's put, let's take a look at that roster. I've got it up on Cap Friendly. They've got Cap Friendly has them listed with twelve forwards, eight defense, and three different goaltenders who have played uh, this season. But Logan Couture is on injured reserve. Alexander Barbanov is uh, on injured reserve. Matthew Benning's on injured reserve. Mitchell Russell is on season opening injured reserve. And that's about it. They've got some buried stuff. They've got some dead cap. But in terms of the guys who are actually reasonably or at least available, I look at their roster and I say, This team has one top six forward, mm-hmm. maybe two, <clears throat> maybe, maybe, maybe. Hurdle and yes. Duclair, and Duclair really mostly plays on a third line role. I know you don't like LeBanc, so that's I, fine. I just look, before we even look at anyone's stats, I'm, I'm looking at I stats. tried to go. Mike Hoffman? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And then we can look at their defense. Old. If you're putting uh-huh. if you're if you're dissolving the team today, how many yes. contenders are taking anyone other than Mark Andre Vlasic and considering putting them into their top four? Well, if they had somebody named I mean, Mark Edward Vlasic would probably be. I don't see that any of these other guys are going anywhere. No. Mark Edward Vlasic would get picked up. Although, you know what? 
I think his contract might actually be a hindrance to him if that were the case. It would be a hindrance, but like as far as playing ability, as far as interest and playing ability. Yes, he would be the only one. I don't know. No. Jan Ruda might. I mean, Jan Ruda is did he play? Did he play with Tampa Bay during the during one of the cup runs during one of the three cups? Yes, I think he, did. he was there. Um, so he may have some interest as well. His number, his financial numbers are more intriguing. He's got playoff experience. So yeah, he's there I, fifteen goals in three hundred and five NHL games. But he's got playoff experience. I I I could see him. The forty nine games of playoff experience is is exciting. That still doesn't make him a top four defenseman. Not at thirty three no. years old. I didn't say it did. You so, asked who you asked who would be who on the defense would be would draw interest, and yes, it would be Mark Edward Vlasic, probably Jan Ruta, and that's about it. And. Then we look at the defense. We've seen flashes from Mackenzie Blackwood in the past. Oh, the goaltending, yeah. The goaltending. We've seen enough of Kappa Kakinen to understand why he is not in like the ECHL or playing in Europe. He's 27 years old, so whatever he's done to date. It's not definitive. A lot of goaltenders never made it into the league until they were 30. And he has a couple of, I mean, he has some previous stints where he looked solid. I probably couldn't pick their third goaltender, Magnus Krona, out of a lineup uh, or a crowd if my life depended on it. He's only played one NHL game this season. He's only played one NHL game in his career. Um, and his previous league uh, stats are not especially relevant. Um, I mean, he played in the AHL last year and was not significantly good or in any way good. Um, he played for Denver in the 22-23 season. 916 save percentage through 32 games, definitely worth talking about. 911 save percentage in 37 games the year before. Um, but as far as pro hockey, we don't know anything about him at this point. This Magnus. Except all three of them have save percentages that are embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, we'll leave Krona out because he's only played one game. It's his pro debut, and, you know, he... But it's it's on the Sharks, and they're terrible, so... They're terrible, and he only played 30 minutes of that game. Um, I don't know if he was pulled or put in... Nah, yeah, he was put in in relief because he did not start that game, which means the Sharks were already... Uh, playing unwell. But when an 879 save percentage is your highest among your three goalies, yeah, you... (laughs) When you have an 879 save percentage as your highest among your three goalies, and you can name maybe four players on the entire roster that would get picked up by contenders, 
it doesn't matter who the coach is. Uh, but that's a, uh, okay. That's what I was coming back around to. Is is the question is is Quinn to blame? And I would be the first to tell you that, regardless of whether it's you, me, Stan uh, Stan Bowman, or Dan Quinn, it's not the coaches. The players are the ones on the ice playing or not playing. In this case, I, I mean Steve Casper would still not be to blame for this team doing bad things. And, and I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, he doesn't have the locker. You know, we're, we're 10, 12 games into the season. I don't think anybody would have the locker room. This is, this is just, this is lack of performance. I mean, I'd like to think that guys like Anthony Duclair, who you and I have talked about since he was a rookie, you know, Thomas Hurdle is clearly the best player on this team at the moment, at least of the forwards anyway. And I would be not wrong if I said of the whole team. I can I, I can go with that for the sake of discussion. Yeah. You cannot blame the head coach for this kind of output. I'm sorry. This- this team would be hard pressed to win a seven game series against an uh, an AHL team, and there's probably at least three hockey East teams who would take it to the limit, if not beat it. I think Boston College would beat them, and you can't. And and to go one step further, you can't even blame Mike Greer for this right now. Mike Greer just took over the team. No, there's a Mike Greer was hamstrung by a lot of bad contracts when he got to town, and there's just not much he could do. He's, I mean, Hurdle still has a no movement clause, and And quite frankly, if you move him, you're not winning another game. Um, or at least not. At least not on your because of your positive efforts. Um, and Greer has brought in an additional first round pick from Pittsburgh this season and a second round pick for next year. They have all of their first and second round picks for the next three drafts at this point. If they can get these guys, some of these guys to start looking like actual NHL players for a couple of weeks. As they get close to the NHL uh, trade deadline, and uh, I forget what the actual date is this year, but they're going to pick up additional second round picks and maybe even first round picks and be closer to a viable rebuild. Because uh, you look at their you look at their forward group, you only have Luke Cunning, Fabian Zetterlund. Philip Zadina, William Eklund, and Giovanni Smith, under the uh, twenty who are twenty five years of age or younger. Yeah. Um, you look at their defense. Mario Ferraro, twenty five. Uh, Nikolai Nizov, uh, twenty five. Nikita Akutuk. Uh, 22. Ty Emberson, Emberson is also is 23 years old. Everyone else is, you know, older than that. 
This team is very, 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 very clearly building for the future. Well, yes, obviously. They're spending $17.5 million total on their eight defensemen at the moment. 17.6. And seven million of that is on Mark Edward Vlasic. There are teams that have $17 million tied up in like two players. Yes. On their defense. I mean, it, it, sorry, it's just it, if either Greer or Quinn is fired for on ice performance this season, then the owner needs to check himself into some kind of facility because it's neither one of their faults. It's neither one of their faults. Because you need to have good habits even when you're playing, even when you don't have a deep roster. Okay. Two ten game, uh, ten goal uh, against performances in a row probably speaks to some bad habits creeping in. Now, did they lose by ten goals, or did they just allow ten goals? They allowed ten goals in both okay. games. They scored one goal in one. They scored. Whoops. Uh, <laughs> They scored one goal in one. They scored four goals in the other. I mean, yes, anytime you allow They scored two goals against Pittsburgh and allowed ten. Ouch. They scored one goal against Vancouver and allowed ten. Wow. Okay. Um... I mean, there's a lot of stuff you can make excuses about. They only had – they had a full day off between the two games, so it's not like they were – Yeah. So they have – so they had time off between the games to recuperate. I mean, it wasn't back-to-back nights. It wasn't – Yeah. It wasn't back-to-back games with a short night in between or anything like that. Uh, the goals they gave up in Vancouver, two to Besser, one to Miller, one to Lafferty, one to Pia Suter, uh, one to Mikheyev, two to Bol- uh, Anthony Bolivier, yeah, Anthony Bolivier, and one Bo- to no, Smetsko, and then one to Quinn Hughes, who we will talk about in a little bit, um, and against. The Penguins, Instronza, Rust, one each, Riley Smith, two each, two, or I'm sorry, Riley Smith, two, Jake Gensel, two, Malkin, two, uh, Matt Nieta, one, and then one to Latang. I mean, the goals to Pittsburgh are probably, most of them are more excusable than the goals to Vancouver. Uh, I mean, Riley Smith is was has been a fairly consistent producer. Jake Gensel knows how to play. Evgeny Malkin, first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, that's that's the bulk of your offense. Uh, you're you're going to have a tough time stopping any of them uh, most nights. And yes, some nights you're going to get hosed. You're probably not giving up ten games two nights in a row. And I literally cannot remember. 
the last time I saw an NHL team give up 10 goals twice in the same season, much less twice in the same week. Um, but here it is. Uh, it's now it's now a trivia question. Um, I, I think I'm more surprised at the fact that they have yet to win a game in regulation. Uh, looking at their roster. <laughs> I mean, they're not even getting AHL goaltending at this at the moment. No, which concerns me. I mean, I I would look the whole team a goalie coach. The whole team concerns me, but if all of the goaltenders are bad, then maybe it's time to start looking at that guy. Like I mean, because because okay, for example, and I'm not pulling his name because he's a Bruins player, but. You start with Omar. Omar, even though he was bad in Buffalo, still had a 917 save percentage. He still stopped a lot of pucks. These guys are not stopping pucks. Save percentages of 879 tell me that they're not stopping shots. Yes, it's it, they can lose games. I get it. You, you can lose games. You can allow goals. Goal that the Bruins scored again. That the Bruins scored the first goal they scored against the Red Wings yesterday. Billy Huso couldn't control the rebound. Van Van Riemsdyk grabbed it and tucked it in. That happens. Goaltenders don't control a rebound, and next thing you know, pucks behind them. These guys aren't making saves. At this point, when you have an eight, when you're a player the size of NHL guys these days. Mackenzie Blackwood, 6'4", 225. Um, Capo Kakinen, 6'2", 217. Um, Magnus Krona, 6'4", 194. Mm-hmm. When you're that size, you should have an 850 save percentage just by existing somewhere near the crease. Like, somewhere near the crease. Not necessarily in it, but somewhere near the crease. I, I just can't with, I just can't look at this and say, David Quinn, you are the weakest link. I'm not saying David Quinn is the weakest link right now. Again, he's not, my first thought is, okay, he's not the guy that's actually on the ice performing. Yes, he's behind the bench. Yes, he's the one that, you know they're supposed to hear in the locker room. They do. They don't. Yeah. Uh, no, I can't blame him. Not right. Not not at this time. I mean, this continues. Uh, the yes, you have to you have to do something. But I don't know that firing the coach is the right thing on this team at this time. My question: What coaches that are available? There are coaches available. Improve this team significantly enough to be paying two coaches. Uh, That's my question. It, and a very good question it is. I don't have an answer because I don't think any coach is going to suddenly magically turn this team around. You could send Jim Montgomery. Is to you know you could send. Uh, well, Julian, you could send. Honestly, I think a sneaky good pick who's already in their system, if memory serves, is Mar- is Marco Sturm. Marco Sturm, yeah. 
I just don't think I don't think anybody I don't think anybody you change behind the bench is suddenly going to have this magic. No, uh, you're not going to suddenly go on a 12 game winning streak. At least I don't believe so. There haven't been any stories coming out of the locker room that the guys don't like David Quinn that, or Dan Quinn. I can never remember which one it is. I know it's a D, but. I believe David, it's David. David Quinn, yeah, thank you. I haven't read any stories saying that there's there's bad blood in the locker room. I haven't read any stories saying there's bad blood between players on the team. Well, it depends on Mike Hoffman and his girlfriend and his. Uh, Lady attachments. I'm I'm amazed at how much money they have tied up elsewhere. Other, than, I mean, they have they have seven and a half million dollars tied up between retained salary and buyout money. With Brent Burns, Eric Carlson, Martin Jones, and Rudolph Balsers, you got seven and a half million dollars, which clearly can affect your ability to sign players. And then, as you noted earlier, you got uh, how much on injured reserve? Eleven, almost twelve million dollars on on IR. Yeah. Between Couture, Barvinov, and Benning. Uh, <laughs> this is not a good team. Like, there's no yeah. two ways. There's no way around it. Like, you can't no. call this a good team. Nope. You can't call this a contender. You can't call it a bubble team. But you, you can't blow it. There's no real way to blow it up either. I, I mean, literally the only way to blow it up is to trade out everyone making more than like $4 million and bring back players who are making like $2 million and a draft pick. And, and at that point, staying above the cap floor is going to get difficult. Because, uh, I mean, assuming you could move Vlasic and Couture and Hurdle and Granlund and LeBlanc and Hoffman, uh, yeah, you're you talking know. you're talking almost 30 you're talking 30 ish million dollars there. And you can only retain on three players. And yes. they've already got they've already got two on retained. So they've only got one slot. For retained salary. Yeah, they would. I think they would have to actually trade that retained salary to someone else, and I'm not even sure if that's still doable you, under the. Can you do that under the CBA? <laughs> Trading retained salary. I know you could at one point, but I don't remember, and it's probably just not worth thinking about because I don't know anyone who's going to take it this year. Nope. The cap bounces Aaron. back up next year. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I agree. There's, they're pretty much stuck in, in the mud at this point. They're going to have to play out the season, hope that they can get some kind of improvement. I just don't think that it's – I don't think that firing either the GM or the head coach at this point in time is a correct step. So, so most fan bases love to hate – the other, uh, their rivals fan, right? Their rivals players. It's just a part of being a sportsman. 
some uh, fan yeah. bases love to hate the players that they think are underperforming on their own roster. Okay. And then there's the Montreal Canadiens, who are whose fan base is still obsessed with Jeff Petrie, even though he's been gone for what three seasons? Is it? It feels like. Has he been gone that long? From. I, wow. It almost doesn't matter. Um, nope. Because they do this with a good number of players. Uh, it's been a season and a half. All of last season. And then this season. Okay. Last season, Jeff Petrie spent the year with the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, where he yes, that's right. Founded slightly, uh, having more points in 61 games with the Penguins than he did in 68 the previous season with the Habs. This year, he's playing for Detroit. But Habs fans are are still obsessing over him. Habs fans and observers are still obsessing over him. How do I know? Because I was reading um, allhabs.com this week. And one of the stories is, of course, it's over in Detroit for the former Montreal Canadiens player, Jeff Petrie. It's over. Did they happen to see last night's game? (laughs) Wait. Why would they need to see last night's game? This story came out on the second. Um, anything that happened after that is irrelevant because it's over. Oh, okay. Well, he does have he does only have three assists in seven games. He has no goals scored. He is a minus. He is a minus one. Uh, I'm aware of those things, but his career is over, uh, as all has uh, pointed out. And yes, he had a nice four-year run in Montreal with decent scoring, like pretty good scoring, but that's pretty much an aberration for his career. It's it's over. He's done. It's over. Yeah, he's definitely, definitely done. I'll have this. He's he's done. Uh, 48 career playoff games. Wow. He's not been a goal scorer as a defenseman. In those 48 playoff games, he's got five goals. None in his most recent run, which was the bubble hockey uh, edition where the Habs went to the finals and uh, he had zero goals in 20 games for them after 12 in 55 in the abbreviated regular season. Um, Or the abbreviated regular season. Ah. This was written before what the Florida game, November second. So this was written a couple of yes. days ago, and he apparently was left out of the lineup. They put Justin Hall in instead, and I could see where you know that would trigger the fan base to sit there and say that oh, he's done. This is the same. This is the same um, <clears throat> outlet that also put out the Druen story from last week. So, yeah, they do tend to focus on their former players. <laughs> they seem to talk about their former players more than they do their current players. I mean, maybe I'm just misrepresenting them, and if so, I apologize. Like, deeply and sincerely apologize. But 
like he played a couple of hundred games before he got to Montreal because he was in Edmonton first. Uh huh. He's played seventy, almost seventy games since then. Since he's been in Montreal, it's okay to let go, folks. Healthy coping, you can do it. I didn't want the Bruins to get rid of Riley Smith way back when when he left. I didn't want the Bruins to get rid of uh, Connor Clifton when he when he was let go. No. Nope. Didn't want them to get rid of Andy Parents. No. Nope. I didn't spend the next three years talking about any of them. In 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 all fairness, I do still talk about Connor Clifton because I like Connor, but I'm not. It's not every week. It's not all the time. It's just like last like week. Sixty percent of our content is not former players of the Boston Bruins. This is true. Jeff Jeff Petrie is done, huh? Wow. Okay. Yes, and last night's performance is clearly a. Uh, statistical error and um, the scorekeepers need to figure out who was actually on the ice. But he had an assist. No, 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 no. His career is done. Oh. According to allhabs.com. So, so then how did, how did he get an assist last night? As I said, it was a statistical, a statistical error. Someone else must have been wearing his uniform, or, uniform number because they moved on already. I mean, okay, so he had 27, 42, 40, 46. His career high in points is the 18, 19 season, 46 points. Yep. Okay. He's still, he's actually a little down this year as far as minutes per game. He's only playing 18, a little over 18 minutes a game. Was playing. Was, I'm sorry, was. I, I The fact that I saw him on the ice last night is just... Uh, it, clearly, it was a illusion. Maybe they were broadcasting an old game. Maybe, maybe that was it. But I mean, the guy's never been a huge. Yeah, he generates points. He he was good for the Canadian. He he, he generated points for the Canadians. Absolutely. I just I. <laughs> Why are they focusing on somebody who's no longer? I guess that's my question to them is why are you focused on somebody who's no longer with the team? What is the what is the attraction for putting down another player who no longer play? I mean, yes, he's left. In fact, he's been gone. The the allure of of putting him down just because he got uh, he was a healthy scratch he's also how old 30 something yep I, I, I don't know 33 no 35 maybe they're managing his minutes because he's not a young buck anymore I mean Career's done. Okay. Montreal you needs saw it to, on all Habs. I saw it on all Habs. It must be true. It must be true. Okay. They, they're not allowed to put anything on the internet that's not real. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. It said so on the onion and... It said so on the onion. I... Okay. 
Fair enough. All right. So he's done. Sorry to see you go. Jeff Petrie, thank you for a great career. Come collect your flowers. <laughs> and as we all know, America, uh, The Onion is America's finest news source. Ah, not that we quote them on the show very often. I see no difference between quoting them and quoting most major news, state, uh, news outlets. Such as All Habs? Uh, there might be a difference there. Oh, okay. Fair enough. I just, yeah, no, uh, we need to move on because I'm running out of the, I'm running out of the ability to keep a straight face. Um, one of the things I wanted to do this week was take a look at the Bruins system, take a look at who's playing, and put together. New forward lines. Why? Why? I'm not. I'm still not convinced that JVR is a better solution, medium term, long term, than some of the prospects. With Lucic out and Lauko out, it allows a little bit of room for experimentation. And... In that spirit, I, I did put together a new set of forward lines, um, and I'll show those to you as I'm talking about them. I don't think there's anything super radical in here. I'm only using players currently signed to the system, signed to the Boston Bruins uh, to a professional contract of some variety. Okay. Um, and some will argue about the ordering of things, and I'm doing one thing I don't particularly like. But I'm doing it because I think it's necessary Mm -hmm. Um, or at least more valuable than putting that player deeper in the lineup. Um, So first line, uh, as I have it, and I'm entirely willing to juggle the two lines, this and the second line, um, as far as which one is number one and which one is number two. But starting left to right for all lines. Uh, Marshan, Potois, and DeBrusque. I, I think that if we're going to keep Potois going, having two guys who are familiar with each other um, without overloading with Marshan and Pasta um, is probably the best option. Next one is the biggest change, mm-hmm. and the thing that I don't necessarily love doing, and that's Lysel, Zaka, and Pasta. Um, Lysel is normally a right wing, and I have him on the left here. You do. Um, I do. I mean, we can... I mean, Pasta has split back and forth between right and left throughout his career. You could arguably put Lysel on the right on this line and put Pasta back on the left. Um... In fact, in in Montgomery's place, I'd be tempted to. Yeah, why would you? Okay, I, I'm still trying to figure out why you're why you're introducing a player who hasn't actually played with the big club as of yet this season. Because he leads the AHL Bruins in scoring. Okay. 
Um, next line, familiar faces, Frederick and Coyle, uh, with Heinen on the right. And the fourth line, JVR, Beecher, and Steen. Okay. I'm, I, it's pretty well known that I'm not a huge JVR fan. Obviously. And the fact that last night he was his first goal in more than seven games um, convinces me that there's not as much left in the tank as many of us had hoped, even myself. Um, not as much left this in is, the tank. What, I mean... You don't think he can? Uh, he's not skating. He's not skating with DeBrusque and and put and and Patra and he's skating with Coyle, who's not exactly the quickest, fleetest. Coyle's of not course. slow. I didn't say he was slow, but the thing is, for JVR, I, I'm happy to see him on the power play because he'll stand in front of the net and tip pucks in and set a screen. Okay. But he's probably, even including Lucic, the slowest forward on the team. Okay. I think that slowing down your top six, even your top nine with him, not a fan. Just not. Give Lysa, put Lysel up there, who's got reasonable legs. I don't think he's as fast as Zaka and Pasta. But he's certainly faster than JVR. I think my issue with Lysel is while watching preseason games, and yes, they are preseason games, he did not show me. Patra made the team in in those preseason games. He showed that oh, he God. belonged. He showed that he had the I, skill. The, Mason Lowry on defense, same thing. He showed that he belonged. He played – he earned his time. He earned his. He earned his. He earned the win. Beecher, same deal. I did not see that same result from Fabian Lysel. He looked like a player who needed to be in the AHL. He needed more seasoning. And I'm concerned that you bring. Not only are you bringing him up, you're bringing him up, putting him on a second line, where you're expecting output and. He didn't show it even during preseason games against other teams that weren't playing their starters either. Now you're putting him up against NHL caliber talent, not mid-level to budding NHL caliber talent in the preseason. But here's uh, part of this. Part of that is the very simple fact that anyone on the roster not named Brad Marchand – yeah. Who is on the opposite wing from uh, from Pasta is probably going to be ignored. Pasta is going to get double teamed. I think that's going to give Fabian Lysel more space than he would ordinarily get. Um, because as a rookie, he's going to get targeted. But you look at his AHL production, nine points with three goals, four assists. Um, none of it, uh, no power play goals yet. Um, he can't have nine points when he's only got three goals and four assists. I'm sorry, three <laughs> goals, six assists in ten games. Okay. Um, 
14.3 shooting percentage. Um, I'm not saying there isn't. I'm not saying it's not there. I'm not saying the skill level's not there. I'm just I'm concerned that he might not be ready for what's coming his way. Yes, he'll get ignored. Yes, he'll get ignored. Pasta, second highest goal scoring output last season. The guy puts the puck in the net more often than not. Yes, he's going to draw more attention than Fabian Lysel will. I mean, you can make an argument for Merkulov in that spot because he's a left wing. Okay. You could make an argument for Luke, Luke uh, Toporkowski in that spot because he's a left wing and has more holes. Toporowski, I'm not, I'm not a bit. Yes. Luke, Luke, Luke. But Lysel's plus minus is better than, uh, is as good or as, or better than either of them. Okay. Um, I think he's probably faster than either of them. Uh, I, although I'm less confident on the Merkulov. Better shooting percentage than uh, Merkulov. Okay. And less than half and half the pims of uh, Toporowski. Did we lose? Uh, what? I mean, we don't have we don't have Lauk, we don't have Lauko we don't have you don't have Lucic I mean Lucic but they're both bottom six forwards at this point in time. Who did we have on on the second? Who did we have in the top six that we don't have right now? It seems like we're missing somebody. Well, I punted JVR down to the bottom six. Yes, you um, did. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Where's Morgan Geeky? Oh, Morgan Geeky uh, is one of the other people who's occasionally bounced into the you middle punt- six somewhere. You punted Morgan Geeky. That's what I'm not happy about. No, I don't care. I know you don't care, but I'm just saying that. I mean, another option, and I think that he's possibly being unfairly dumped into the AHL, is Jesper Boquist. He didn't, not for anything, he didn't do anything to excite either during preseason. He didn't, but he's also got, he's also got viable NHL experience and NHL playoff experience. They've already called him up this season. Yeah, for like one game. Yeah. And I'm not even sure he played in that one game. He did. I don't know how many minutes he got, but he did play because I watched the game. I mean, next thing we're going to be calling up Trevor Kuntar and Mark McLaughlin, who I I I would be happy to see Trevor Kuntar in a Boston Bruins uniform. I've been saying that all along. But I think right now, with the injuries we have, that this would be the. A future-facing roster. Do we not have to worry more about defense, though? I mean, we had, like, three defenders out last night. We had no Hall of Famer. We had no no Matt Grizzlick. We had no... Who was the other one that was missing? Oh, yeah, but I came up with the idea before the injuries came out. Yeah, I know you did. I'm just trying to figure out... Oh, that's right. Charlie suspended, which we haven't... Which we didn't bring up. I forgot to 
put that in. Oh, in the... I didn't put that in either. Let's talk about that now. I forgot about his previous suspension, honestly. I was not aware that he was. He was suspended during the playoffs, I think, two years ago. That's not supposed to count as a previous offense, but we know that's a lie. (laughs) Um, Well, it doesn't count if your name is Brad Marchand, anyway. uh, Or I should say, it does count if you're Brad Marchand. Yes, and there's also the one game for playing with Brad Marchand, um, or having him at your wedding, perhaps. That's a very good possibility, yeah. What did you think of the hit? Uh, I was not ready to give him a suspension of the length which he got. Uh, the hit itself, uh, I wondered about. <sighs> the hit itself was not a clean hit no. by any definition. But I was, I'm still trying to figure out where four games comes into play. It, it basically comes into play because there's a very similar hit that was made a couple of days before that that also that also got four games. Oh, so now we're trying to uh, keep things uh, on an even It appears tier. that they're attempting to regularize the actual dopes uh, rulings. If they actually manage to do that, I will be thrilled because we'll maybe just maybe understand their and you should hear the air quotes in this thinking (laughs) when it comes to what they're doing. Air quotes. Uh, Because right now there's just no way, shape or form to understand why they do anything the way that they're doing. They put out, um, but the, but the dopes really put out nice videos. They have a really good production facility because their videos are top notch. When you go to the department of player safety and watch one of their videos. Ooh, I mean, that's some really class editing. They are, and I really appreciate it. I just wish, and they certainly explain their opinion in a convincing manner. I'm not always convinced by their opinion, but they certainly do it in a way that has efficacy. Um, I forget who the other player was who was suspended uh, just a day or two before, before, uh, our buddy. Oh wow! But also got also got four games. Huh? I just I don't I I don't think I don't think that the I don't think that what he received matches what was seen on the ice. Um, illegal check to the head of OEL. I mean, was it because it's OEL? What if he hit somebody? 
he was given the match penalty. The match penalty happened. At it was Rasmus Anderson um, who was suspected suspended for charging Patrick Line. Charging. Um, just a couple of days before. Now, admittedly, charging and illegal check to the head are different. Yes. But I think you could have called that charging given the distance that McAvoy came from to hit, to make that hit. Okay. I just. Uh, I don't know. If, if you're not supposed to be counting playoff suspensions in in the the suspension history of a player and it was how long was it more than a year ago uh off the top of my head it wasn't last year it wasn't last year's playoffs it wasn't it wasn't the seven games against florida that he was suspended as i said i thought it was two years ago right so it's beyond the scope it shouldn't be counted but it still is. Obviously. So he's forfeiting just under two hundred grand in salary, which goes to the Players Emergency Assistance Fund. So it's not like he doesn't get paid. He doesn't get paid, but the Players Emergency Fund still gets a piece of it. That's nice. I'm sorry. I just, yeah, no. Two games. He was thrown out of this one. Granted, it was halfway through the third, so he didn't miss a lot of time. Uh, what's hurting them with this suspension is the fact that Grizzlick is also out hurt, and he's going to be out for a couple of weeks, uh, is what I'm reading. Yep. So that hurts them. So they had guys like Watherspoon and Mitchell in. They brought up Lowry. Um, I'm trying to think of who the other. So you had Lind, you had Lindholm and Carlo played. Oh, where's Fourboy? He didn't play the other night either. They Correct. He, um, it was, was a one-game suspension during the 2019 uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. Which is yeah. more than long enough ago that it should not be. It should not matter. So Fobo was the healthy scratch last night. No, I believe Forward's injured too. Um, no, although it's not, it's not listed on cap friendly, or I mean, he's not listed as injured on cap friendly. I think it's. I think he's more of a day to day injury than a. Oh, okay. But Lowry has looked like, yeah, he definitely Lowry has looks looked like, like the real deal. He, he belongs. <laughs> I'm wondering what – unfortunately, when these players come back, he's going to be sent back down. But I'm wondering if, yeah, maybe they should reconsider that. <laughs> I – see, I would – Because you can't send anybody else down. You can't send McAvoy. You can't send Grizzly because none of them are going to – first of all, they'd all have to clear waivers and none of them are going to. So you oh, send Mitchell and Weatherspoon down. Your only other option is to send down Lowry, or you or make trades, or you deal somebody away. Yes. And of course, the consensus among people who don't know what they're talking about—I mean, who disagree with me—is uh, that you trade Grizzly. Um, 
they need to stop with that. That that needs to just end. But anyway, so I, I'm just saying that that they have options on defense, but the suspension was crap. Yes, a couple of games. I could see two. I would have been fine with two. Four just seems a little excessive. Given the given the other suspension for charging, which is a very similar hit to Mason Rasmussen, yeah, or Mason Anderson, um, I'm in no way surprised that the suspension is four games. Okay, in and that's no fair way. enough. I, I and that's fair enough. I can't really argue that point. Um, Macabre, like just watching the pure hit itself, you know he's going to get a game or two. It it doesn't matter whether you agree with it or not, just based on league's the league's reaction to these sort of hits. When you realize that he came probably twenty or twenty five feet to hit him, well after the puck uh, was gone. No, okay. um, it's just this was a stupid thing for McAvoy to do. Not questionable, not borderline, not I know, going into the Hall of Fame, though. I mean, it was stupid. Terrible decision making from a Hall of Famer. Uh, what else is on the board for the day? Lots of stuff. Pick one, I pick mean, one, pick one. Lots of stuff. I mean, we're going to talk about. Well, now we're we're we can head back out toward the mid middle part of the country here. Um, Kent Johnson has changed agents. Yes, and the agent of doom for the Columbus Blue Jackets is has reported for duty. Uh, Pat Brisson is now Kent Johnson's um, representative. Kent Johnson, uh, Pat Brisson is, of course, the same guy who got Seth Jones traded out of town. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois traded out of town. And who happens to represent a couple of other players in uh, in their system? Well, he represents another. He represents Adam Fantilli for one. Uh, they're they're young. contender for rookie of the year. Yep. Yeah. Uh, another player who I haven't heard of in Luca Del Bell Belouz. Yep. Uh, but yeah, representing players like Matt Duchesne, Alexander Weinberg, who used to both used to play there and have since gone bye byes. Um, Seth Jones, as you mentioned, Pierre Luc Dubois, both gone bye byes, and now Kent Johnson is at the is in the last year of his entry level. Uh, looking at. Uh, I don't know if he's arbitration eligible or not. No. But he's going to be an RFA. Um, Pat Brisson has a tendency for playing hardball, as it says in in the article, but we knew this already. He likes to be difficult, shall we say. He likes to make it difficult for the team. He maximizes the return on the client's efforts every time. Oh, I like that. That's good. That's good stuff. So is this a thing where Kent Johnson is no longer enamored with Columbus and would like to 
find some way to move along. I mean, he's an RFA, so wherever he goes, they're going to be playing. They're going to be paying draft picks to sign him, which makes it a bit more difficult to get him away. I uh, he's not going to have arbitration rights. I, you know, I don't. I wouldn't want to be involved in a rebuild, and quite frankly. I don't know what his involvement was or reaction was to Babcock, but quite honestly, as a young player in his place, knowing everything that's available to be seen on Mike Babcock on the Internet, I would lose confidence in the organization who brought him in to be my coach. I really would. Okay. And if that was the last straw, can't blame them. The issue, the the other issue here, which I mean, they mention it in the article, but it kind of gets swept under the rug, is the fact that he's not exactly producing right now, and he's actually been a healthy scratch a couple of times. This is the well, fifth overall pick. How many goals can you score when you're not on the game roster? That would be zero. Okay, how many assists can you get when you're not on the game roster? Again, that would. Assuming you're not Jeff Petrie. Uh, well, Jeff Petrie's done, so we, you know, and still managed to get an assist. That's a good point. Yeah, I guess you can get assists even if you're not there. But I, my normal answer would be zero. If you're not there, you can't get the points. You know, 100% of the shots not taken don't go in, and so on and so forth. But he's only got one goal and two assists on the season. Not take- He's only got three points on the season, though. So it's not like yeah. he's lighting it up. I understand your position. And I'm saying, I'm, I'm, and this is a guy who went to Michigan. But look at it from his position or the position which he and a good agent could argue it. This isn't even a guy who was supposed to be a head coach this year. How do we know he even knows what he's doing? <laughs> I don't even know the guy. I don't even know who the head coach is. That, again, that's just part of the point. Yes, I understand that. That's why I was saying. That's why I said it. I don't know who the head coach is. I really don't. They brought in somebody just to fill the position. They brought in somebody just to say, but "Hey, we have a coach." Closest. To the head coaching um, once uh, once Babcock showed himself the door, Pascal Vincent. Pascal Vincent, does he have a history? Uh, I don't even know if he has a history. He was assistant coach with the team for the previous two years. Um, he was an assistant coach in Winnipeg for just under five years. Um, he's 52 years old and basically no other serious experience. Huh. Okay, then. I mean, as, as someone who's had, who's seen what he's seen in that city, I mean, Pascal Vincent played in the queue was, Definitely a player in the queue. Definitely a player, huh? 
definitely a player. Okay. Um, has not – he has an AHL coaching experience, has only won in five seasons as an AHL head coach, only won one playoff round. Um, he was an assistant coach in Winnipeg for five years. He, uh, he coached in the queue um, for the Montreal Juniors and the Cape Breton Screaming Eagles. Nah, uh, only made it out of the second round twice and otherwise lost pretty much every player. Well, well over half of his playoff series. Like, we're not even at coin flip odds. Uh, Sounds like he's a good coach. coach. 11 uh, 11 playoff appearances as a head coach in the queue. Mm -hmm. First year, lost in the second round. Second year, lost in the third round. Third year, lost in the first round. Next year, lost in the second round. Lost in the first round. Lost in the second round. Lost in the third round. Lost in the second round, lost in the second round, lost in the first round, lost in the second round. Okay. He's never won a championship. Uh, well, you can't really hold. That's not fair to hold against him. Not a, there are a lot of coaches in the NHL that haven't won a championship. But from from Kent Johnson's perspective, this guy was not supposed to be head coach this year. He's getting his head co- his NHL head coaching experience on the fly. He has a 4.55 win percentage because they because the team hired someone who was so unpalatable they had to fire him before they coached before he even coached a single game of the season. If they had listened to us, they wouldn't have hired him in the first place. <laughs> If they listened to anyone, they wouldn't have hired him in the first place. Anyone other than him, they wouldn't have hired him in the first place. Good point. Could have listened to, I don't know, uh, Mitch Marner. Or... I'm sure Mitch Marner's a big fan of... I'm sure Mitch Marner's a big fan of, Ken, of, of Mr. Babcock. Um, yeah, that's definitely a thing. So Pat Brisson represents all these guys, and now he represents Kent Johnson. The worry is that Kent Johnson is on his way out of town. The problem is that he's an RFA with no leverage, except for the fact that he has Pat Brisson as an agent. Yes. And even if Brisson doesn't necessarily have direct influence to get him out all by all on his own merits, the fact that he's representing all of those other players, a good chunk of a roster, that's cumulative influence that's greater than the sum of its parts. So are we expecting Kent Johnson to be in a different uniform next season? I would say it could happen as early as this season. Trade deadline? If he can have a couple of hot games... Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Okay. It wouldn't surprise me. I, I mean, based on the other players that are out of town that are represented by this guy, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Dubois wanted out, wanted out, got, managed to get out of not one, but two franchises because he wanted out of Columbus. 
about PLD as it does. Yeah, I, and I agree with that. I mean, it's it's almost like he's not happy, so he wants out. It it, it, it nothing's going to be perfect there, Pierre. You know, you got to make it work. You got to put in the effort. But he wanted out of Columbus. He got out of Columbus. He wanted out of Winnipeg. He got out of Winnipeg. Now he's in L.A. We'll see what happens. I mean, but Seth Jones is still with Chicago. And I think that I, I don't know that he's happy, but I get the I, I get the feeling that he's OK with it. I mean, he hasn't made any odd requests like wanting to get out of town or not. No, yeah. he's also let's let's be honest. He's also in a city where there's more stuff to do. True. And they and actually seem what, to be the third or fourth largest city in the U.S. versus Columbus being but they also, not but they overly also, large. But they also actually seem to be wanting to improve. It's not like they're just like, well, we're going to try and uh, suffer. Granted, yes, they are in last place, but they're four and six. It's not like they're terrible. No. Um, losing record, yes, but they're not terrible, and and you've got young, they've got young kids. They're actually trying to improve, it, it, as opposed to uh, San Jose. <laughs> I mean, San Jose is still at a very formative stage of digging themselves out of the old contracts. I don't even know that they're on the rebuild yet. I think they're still bulldozing when you come right down to it. I would have to agree with that one. San Jose has not not started the rebuild yet. You got to finish the the explosion. Demolition. Yeah, you got to finish the demolition first. Um, one player who uh, is keeping the Vancouver Canucks from looking like they're going to need demolition anytime soon um, has a brother doing pretty well too. But uh, I think Quinn hurt, Hughes, though. kind of hot this season. So hot, in fact, that the NHLPA named him their Player of the Week. Player of the Week. Seven assists and ten points. Registered a five-point game against the San Jose Sharks. Sorry. Um, two goals and completing <laughs> a game winner. Um, uh, one against the uh, St. Louis Blues, and then three multi-point games, okay. all in one week. Nothing, nothing against his numbers. Uh, like you look at those numbers, and they're pretty gaudy. Yes, and right now he's actually ahead of Cal McCarr and Aaron and Adam Fox and. And you look at the fact that his the brother that I mentioned, Jack, on the Devils, leads the league he, in scoring with 20 points. Quinn is right there with him as a defenseman, only four points back. Okay. Um, and this is one of those times you look at the top of the league in terms of points – and even if none of these guys are in the position they are or within two positions of where they are at the end of the year, it makes it very, very clear that the NHL is going through one of those generational transitions 
because I'm pretty sure Artemi Panarin or maybe Dylan Larkin. And no, actually, it's probably JT Miller. Um, oldest guy in the like the guys in the top five, top ten. None of them are old guys. I mean, you got Jack Hughes, Elias Patterson, Jesper Brett, Artemi Panarin. Um, Dylan Larkin, Quinn Hughes, David Pasternak, JT Miller, Nikita Kucherov, and Austin Matthews, um, all at the top of the league in scoring. The only problem is Jack is um, <clears throat> hurt. Eh, for now. Well, apparently Friday night, he went hard into the boards trying to split a couple of defenders uh, right shoulder and head took the brunt of the impact. Uh, Lindy Ruff said that he was going to be evaluated, which was yesterday, and I haven't found any updates on the interwebs as of yet. But most um, uh, a story that I'm looking at here from NJ.com. This was mm-hmm. put out last night at uh, 10:30. Oh, okay. Um, Devil star Jack Hughes avoids worst case scenario with injury. Yay. Um, Good for him. But as far I mean, as far as his brother time, but I mean, there's nothing substantial to the update. Yeah. Um, But I I would guess he might be out two to three games versus two to three weeks or even worse, two to three months. Yeah. No. But as far as his brother being the, uh, on the same level as him statistically, that's quite impressive. As a that's as a, a lot de- of fun. As a defenseman, to have him going up against his brother for top scoring, <laughs> top scorer in the family, let alone in the NHL. Okay. I, and I then just, there's their poor other brother. <laughs> Yeah, what is what is Luke doing these days? Is he still? Uh, didn't he get theoretically is, is, playing with the Devils? He's he's with the Devils as well, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, I honestly haven't looked at his uh, haven't looked at the Devils that hard uh, in the last couple of weeks. No, neither have I. Probably do something like that next week. Um. But a deep dive into the Hughes family. <laughs> I, I'm I'm happy for Quinn. I am. Like I said, he's 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 got a handful of points over both Adam Fox and Kale McCarr, which is saying something. Considering, well, especially Kale. I mean, Adam Fox did never struck me as an offensive defenseman, but no. But he's had such good weapons in front of him that he really only had to make good passes. Um, Luke Hughes is having a shameful season with only seven points in 10 games. Yeah, that's terrible. Terrible. <laughs> when you compare him to his brothers, when he <laughs> I mean, talk about, there's always been those families in the league where, you know, there's one guy who's great, a couple of guys who are good. Mm-hmm. This, this might be a family where, you could see all three win in, win a major individual award at some point in their career. Sure. Wouldn't I, I? I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility. 
Which, which begs the question of when we'll start hearing the speculation of all three of them landing on the same team to win a couple of cups together and have a dynasty. I don't know who would be making. I mean, as of right now, it would have to be the Devils trading for Quinn Hughes, and there's no way Vancouver is making that move. They would need to send. Last time, last time that last time something like that happened, the Vancouver was the was actually the team making the deal so that they could draft both Sedin brothers. Uh, Yes, I mean at this point, if you you wanted me to pick, if you wanted to trade for Quinn Hughes. You'd have to you'd have to include Jack Hughes in the deal. <laughs> I mean, you're you're almost you're realistically looking at two first rounds plus. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess the next question would be: Could any NHL franchise, Devils or otherwise, actually afford having all three Hughes brothers on the same team? Um, right now, I would say that the Coyotes could, and they probably have the assets to make it happen. Now, that would be awesome. (laughs) I mean, they have their own first round picks the next three years. And then on top of that, they have 10 second round picks. And then before you get into the players, they would need to move out in order to get the, um, in order to make the cap space for the three. Okay. Hypothetically. But but how entertaining would it be to have all three Hughes brothers on the same team? Oh, I think it could be fantastic, especially if you could play the two defensemen together. You're going to have a defense pairing of Hughes and Hughes? Yes. Okay. Um, I don't know if they both play the same sides. uh, Luke plays left and right, and when I... I believe plays left. Yeah, I'd have to go looking it up. I don't know off the top of my head. I'm not. I'm yeah, good. Quinn plays left. So theoretically possible. Um, okay. And there are no more, there are no more Hughes family members, right? That, that this is it, just the three of them. Uh, not unless their mom decides to put on skates. Uh, <laughs> Thought you were gonna say something else, and unless their mom decides to have another one, I'm like, we're gonna wait 18 years. <laughs> uh, uh, that might be an unfair burden, uh, given that uh, Quinn, who is I believe the oldest, is 24. Yeah. Uh, so, congratulations to Quinn, Player of the Week, NHLPA Player of the Week, which means your peers. I think it's easier That's, sometimes for the peers to recognize than it is for everybody else. I don't know why. I think I think well, that I think they're going to be a little bit more honest about it as to who they. I think there's less tunnel vision. Like these guys love hockey, and they're not required to be an expert on any given team except their own, and for their eight to 27 minutes a night, the team that they're playing that night. Um, you look at, I said that because Andy Brickley's not the best example, but <laughs> Andy Brickley knows the Bruins frontwards, backwards, sidewards, upwards. He does upside down and inside out. He does. And he's probably the best analyst in hockey at this point. 
but you watch a you watch a game from a lot of teams in the league. Yes, they know their own team pretty well. Mm-hmm. But do they really know their opponents if they're not a division foe? Generally not. Um, generally not very well. Um, certainly not as well as the home team does. Right. For the players, they've got family, they've got friends, they've got former teammates on all the other teams. And most of them like watching hockey, or many of them like watching hockey as much as they do playing hockey. So there's, they're probably going to turn the TV on whenever they're not playing and don't have something else to do. I was just thinking more in terms of the, the, the fact that like they have – the guys feel that – what the heck? The one that – the MVP that the players give, not not the – the Hart Trophy is voted on by writers and whatnot. And and it's it becomes almost a statistics-driven – but the one that the Players Association gives out – Lindsay? No. Is the Lindsay? It is the one that they actually feel more honored to win, it seems, because it's actually given out by their peers, which they seem to, like you said, it's less tunnel vision, less. It, it, it usually ends up going to the same person. But it just. I don't know. I, I just think that. It, if the NHLPA, if it's an NHLPA award, it, it, it's going to mean a little bit more to them because it's given out by the peers. Anyway, we are closing in on the end of another episode. We still have um, will hear, won't he results to give out, and there's one more story left on the board. Um, quick, will he or won't he? Um, Patrick King, yes. 68.8% of uh, the votes. Um, the Robertson one, um, less conclusive at 50-50. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That was uh, that one was actually 100% yes. 100% yes. Andy Robertson scored more than 44 goals. He's averaged the last two seasons. And Do we think he's going to score more? I mean, wait, wait, wait. Do you think he's going to score more than that? I do. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm I, a huge Jason I'm honestly, Robertson fan. I will honestly be less. I'll honestly be more shocked if um, Kane is signed by U.S. Thanksgiving. I think he might wait until very, very close to the signing deadline um, <clears throat> towards the end of December for eligibility to play in the playoffs. Um, the signing deadline is the end of December? I thought it was beginning of December. Uh, that'll have to double check. I mean, that'd be, I, I still think that, I mean, I don't know. Does it apply to him though? Like it, I'm going on, I'm going on, on memory from when Nylander was not, was not under contract with Toronto and he had until it was, I believe December 1st to actually get signed or he couldn't play for the season. But he was on a, he was a RFA at the time, if I'm not mistaken. So it was kind of a different situation. Whereas Patrick Kane is 
unrestricted free agent can sign anywhere. So I'm thinking he can sign anywhere at any time. Yeah, but if you're not signed by a specific date, you can't play in the playoffs. Oh, uh, yes, that's true. Trade. Okay. Um, if You can still trade after the trade deadline, uh, but you can't play uh, in the playoffs if you're not signed by a specific day. Right, right, right. Okay. Interesting, because, I mean, we're already into – we're heading into the second week of November, and I haven't heard whisper of where – the one whisper, the the one time I heard Patrick Kane's name mentioned was watching a Bruins game, and it was the night of – the game was actually on ESPN, and it was the night that they had all 16 teams playing. Oh, yeah. And they had the frozen, they had the frozen, frozen frenzy thing going on on ESPN two with, with Bucci, and he said he was talking about Colorado, and he said Patrick Kane should sign, you know, Patrick Kane, get yourself out to Colorado, get signed, start playing, and that was the one time I've heard his name mentioned. Beyond that, I have heard nothing about Patrick Kane. And I think that's less a reflection on Patrick Kane than how interesting it is to see. So much of the young talent, as we were talking about when we looked at the top of the stats, mm-hmm. he, um, is just producing right now. Like Patrick Kane, sure thing, first ballot, Hall of Famer. It's not even a question. People pretending that it is just why he's he's one Stan he's won three Stanley Cups. He's three. Was he there for all three, or did he only get I believe, two? I believe it was all three. He's also got a Calder, he's, a Conn Smythe, an Art yeah. Ross, a Hart, and a Lindsay. Right. So he's got not only he's got team awards, he's got individual awards. Yeah, the guy's going to the Hall of Fame. Sorry, get over it. You know. <laughs> End of story. <laughs> Four hundred and fifty-one NHL goals, twelve hundred thirty-seven goals. Uh, 1,237 points in 1,180 games to date, 138 yeah. points in 143 playoff games to date. Um, I can't think of a player who hits those numbers who doesn't have yeah. HOF after their name. He will. But as far as what's going on now, yeah, I haven't heard much mention of him. And, and yeah, it could be – Partly to do with the fact that young players are playing well, but he um, also so, he also recognizes that he doesn't have to. So yes, and that's a big thing. He doesn't have to. He kn- he should know he doesn't have to. Um, one uh, for next week's will he or won't he? Uh, we discussed it a little bit, or we discussed him a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, will he or won't he? Will the sharks? Head coach uh, Quinn still be uh, coach as of U.S. Thanksgiving. I have my opinions, which I will share and probably already have shared. <laughs> um, now, intro, this. Why are we talking about this story this week? Our last story. Yes. Um, because we talked about the precursor to it. Uh, Seattle Kraken, um, Seattle Kraken assistant athletic trainer Justin Rogers, yep, uh, 
had a wrote a letter to his younger self, um, talking about coming out. He's, as I said, the assistant athletic trainer. He's been there for years. Um, it's did this go in the where was it? Um, What's that? Uh, he's where he talks about coming out uh, to the team, to the players. Um, it's a sh- it's a reasonably lengthy letter. You can read it on the NHL's website. Um, and this just sort of underlines why the pride tape is so important to Travis Dermott and several other players. Um, because even if we don't know, these guys know. You're around someone all the time, five days a week, whether it's your coworker uh, who sits in accounting, you talk to him three times a week in the coffee room, or the guy you ride the garbage truck with, you know. Um, The fact that this is a member of the training staff, coaching staff, who is basically sharing this with people well ahead of uh, any player sharing it with us is kind of depressing, honestly, um, because it says that there's still less. I think that there's a gap between what many of the players want perceived as acceptance in the locker room and what's actually accept it. Now, whether that is a gap that exists mostly within the players, between players and certain coaches, um, that's a different question. But I think it's fairly safe to say that there's a very, very strong reason or three why not a single player uh, active player in the NHL or even prospect coming into the NHL is out. It's interesting the way, and I don't know if you had a chance to read the whole letter, but it's interesting the way he describes the the first time that he came out, the first athlete that he came out to when was when he was at Penn State. He was a young Russian player, came to the bench, turned around, asked if he was gay. He said he he asked him to repeat the question. And the, the 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 player rephrased it, say, asked him if he liked Skittles and the Rainbow. He confirmed that he did, but he should go worry about playing the game. And after the game, player came over to his locker room. Player came over to he called him over to his locker, and he just wanted to tell him that he was cool with Skittles and the Rainbow. And that was the first time he came out. And the first time that a player told him that he was cool with it, with his choice. <laughs> I, it's the article is an interesting read. It's a it's one of those things you have to read in whole um, and just think for a few minutes from this person's perspective of trying to hide or feeling the need to hide um, because of worries about safety and acceptance 
both in keeping your job and your circle of friends and family. Um, is this the most important thing that's going to happen in Seattle hockey this year? I hope not. <laughs> uh, but I, I think I think it's a uh, sign think, of things to come. I think it's the most important off ice issue. I mean, on the ice, yes, it would be nice if they could win playoff games, get to a Stanley Cup, win a Stanley Cup, whatever. But off the ice, I think this is fairly important stuff. I mean, you read about the the way he talks about networking with people in NHL cities, trying to build local teams and programs, ally hockey players for those who have a love of the sport, see programs like Seattle Hockey Pride Association build the biggest and most inclusive weekend hockey tournaments in which gay, bi, trans, non-binary, queer, and ally individuals come out to support and celebrate each other in the name of hockey. It's Again, building the sport. He's yes, he's a trainer for the Kraken, but it in his be, in his becoming being public about it, 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 it it's calling that attention and the fact that it's there the players are accepting of him in Seattle gives us hope that it's going to happen elsewhere. And yes, it it ex, it exposes why the pride tape and, and the alphabet collective, why they're important. So good. I, I, I mean, it's a, it is a, it is a, I mean, it's a quick read. It, it, it's a, it's a somewhat lengthy letter, but it's a quick read. And it really opens your, it, it, it is kind of eye opening into at least into what Justin, how Justin Rogers feels. I, and I, I, I guess I just want to thank him for it. I, I think that um, I, I mean, I applaud his bravery. There's still a lot of places in the world where it's unsafe for him to simply exist. Yes. And good luck to him. I'm glad that uh, those around him are accepting him. And hopefully it Hopefully it helps uh, other young people going forward. And that, hockey fans, is where we leave you. Um, As I said, next week's uh, We'll Hear Won't He. It'll be in the show description. Um, Leave us some comments on anything you want us to talk about, any questions you have. Hit us on Twitter. Um, Happy to... Uh, happy to bring those topics up. Have it do a mailbag uh, show any time of the year, as long as we have four or five good questions. Sure. Um, take care and uh, enjoy the hockey.